Okay, so we are in Corinthians. Corinthians. Remember Corinthians, the, the saints at Corinth, very wealthy city, lots of sin that was happening in that city because they were a, um, this a, a vast group of different kinds of people, a lot of travelers. Um, so lots of sin, 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 sin had kind of crept in the church. The church had written a letter to Paul and we're asking him, you know, Paul, what about this? What about this situation? What about marriage? What about divorce? What about celibacy? What about food sacrifice to idols? And so Paul is dealing with so many different practical things for this church and also for us because we are learning so many huge principles that uh, take from the church at Corinth and then they, they transfer to the church at Russellville. So what we're seeing is, let's say, the gray areas in chapter 8. We saw that where there is a, there's an overall concept, an idea that a Christian approaches gray areas. You know, there's things that we are faced with that we have the freedom to do that the Bible doesn't talk about. And so that is what we call a gray area. And so we saw the gray areas that the Corinthians were dealing with, which was a food that was sacrificed to an idol in one of those pagan cultures or the pagan cults. And so Paul addressed that. If you haven't heard that, you can jump online. You can listen to that. Um, then in, in chapter 9, Paul talked about, hey, let me demonstrate a, a, a freedom that I have that I actually don't exercise for the benefit of others. We saw that last week in chapter 9. And so this week, Paul is going to flow into, um, he's going to use chapter 8, chapter 9, and then now he's using chapter 10 to show them what happens with an overconfident person. So everyone look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, because remember back in the day there weren't chapter breaks, so it wasn't, you know, Paul didn't say, okay, now chapter 10. That's not how it was. It was a letter. So people have gone back in and they've set these breaks in. So what we want to do is we want to see how it flows from 9 into 10. Okay? Here we go. So verse 27 of chapter 9, But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. So Paul is saying this, hey, even though I'm an apostle, I am still going to be super careful and I'm going to discipline my body so that I won't be disqualified. Okay, Because sometimes we think, you know, let's just look at maybe uh, an example in here. Someone has grown up in Russellville Baptist Church. They, you know, were born in this church. They got married in this church and now they're still here today. And there might be a little bit of a confidence that you think, you know, I've kind of got it made because of my past, because, you know, God has blessed me. He's blessed my family. And there starts to be a confidence that, you know what, maybe I don't have to discipline my body to stay away from sin, maybe as much as Rusty needs to. 
you know. He, he's, you know, he wasn't growing up here. He doesn't know. So you think, wait, I don't need to be as careful in gray areas. I don't need to be as careful around uh, people that don't worship God. I don't have to be as careful because I have a pretty good past. And in my past, you can see God's blessing not only on my family, but on me. And what happens is that the confidence level gets higher and higher and higher. Now, Paul is saying this. Hey, and he doesn't brag about himself, but he's an apostle of God, chose by Jesus Christ to preach his word. I mean, we're talking about some really miraculous things that God did through Paul. He has some amazing credentials, and God uses him to do amazing things. But even Paul is saying this, I have to discipline my body so I don't go back into sin and then become disqualified. Remember, it doesn't have to do with salvation. So we're going to see a message here. It doesn't have to do with losing your salvation. It has to do with being put on the shelf and not being used by God anymore. Now, you still get in by the grace of God that you'll be with Jesus forever, but you become disqualified. And so what Paul is saying is this, I don't want to do anything that would make me disqualified. And then he brings up something very close to home, so to some in the church of Corinth, because there were those that were Jews in this church, and they have a pretty amazing past, amazing past the children of Israel, and that's what brings us into chapter 10. So here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were baptized into Moses uh, in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. So now it's talking about passing through the sea and the cloud. And what Paul is establishing here is that when the children of Israel were in Egypt, so here's what happened. They were in Egypt, and they were were slaves in Egypt. Okay, remember this. God raised up Moses. And then God used Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, Think about this. You're a slave and you live in Egypt. And so you have a master, an Egyptian, that tells you how it's going to be. They tell you how high to jump and where to land. They are in charge of you. You are a slave. And then God says, okay, it's time to take my children, Israel. I'm going to take them out and I'm going to take them to a promised land that I promised their forefather, Abraham, okay? So God comes in, and remember this whole back and forth between Moses and Pharaoh, let my people, what do you say? Go, let my people go. And there was plagues, plagues, plagues. And finally, God said, okay, I'm kind of done with this. He sent the destroyer angel in, and all the firstborns of the land that did not sacrifice a lamb and put the blood on the post of the door, God used that angel to reap all the firstborns in Egypt. There was great weeping in Egypt. Moses takes the people out. It says through the sea, the Red Sea parts, Moses walks through, okay? What he's establishing is that these people 
had a miraculous sign of God that God used them to do amazing things. The cloud, the Bible says this, that the Israelites in the desert, they, were, they would follow God and he would come in a cloud, a pillar of a cloud and fire by night. So you see this cloud and it's leading them all throughout the wilderness. Okay, so miracles happening. And so imagine this, imagine that this is the Red Sea and you're going through it and it's on dry ground and you're walking through and you're thinking, I am a pretty blessed person. I have got it made. I mean, God has parted the sea, and I'm walking through on solid ground. He just rescued me from Egypt, bondage. I've got it made. That's what Paul is trying to establish, that they are a very blessed people. But verse 5, that word, never the less, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as an example for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Now you say, wait, wait what, what do you mean? What evil did they desire? And first, the biggest thing that you want to be looking at is this. Okay, wait a minute. This was written in our Bible for an example that we might not, not desire evil. So if you thought, okay, why am I here this morning? Well, here's the thing is that God has given us his word and he has given us examples of why we shouldn't desire evil. Why we should discipline our bodies and keep evil as far bay as we can because remember he just got done saying you have freedom in Christ in the gray areas you have freedom 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 and then in chapter 9 he said yeah even though I have freedom I don't always exercise my freedom I discipline my body verse 7 do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So an idolater, one who is uh, in, uh, in worship of an idol. There's one commentator, he kind of explains um, idolatry this. Idols are anything more fundamental than God for our happiness, meaning, and identity. Okay, so analyze your life. Look at your life right now and you say, okay, do I have anything in my life that is more fundamental than God for my happiness? So think of all the things that you make you happy. Meaning and identity. Is there anything in your life that is higher than God that achieves those? If this thing that is in your mind was taken away, how would, how would that feel? How would you react? Only you and the Lord know if there's anything in your life that has crept above God. And remember, this is a, this is a warning to us. So this passage in chapter, uh, in verse 7, is from Exodus 32.1. So if you want, turn back to Exodus chapter 32, and I'm going to read to you what happened, okay? Now, some of you, when you hear this, you've never heard this. 
What I'm going to read to you, you've probably never heard this part, and you think, you have got to be kidding. Okay, so remember this. They're in slavery. They go out of slavery, out of Egypt. God parts the Red Sea. There is a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day that God leads them. God gives them food, manna from heaven. Okay, and then watch what happens. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So the people are saying this, Hey, listen, make us a god a little G, make us an idol, something to worship and for us to have happiness, like help us. Now did Aaron say, may it not be my brothers and sisters? No, absolutely not. Aaron says this, take off the rings of gold that are on your ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And, those, and they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, in that, there is a, what happened is they rose up to play in a sexual way. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and worshiped and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. I mean, could you believe that? You think, you have got to be given. Some people say, man, if I could just see a miracle, man, I would believe in God, I would follow him, I'd do anything that he said. Well, I mean, what other miracles would you want to see? I mean, could you imagine there is a wall of water and it's just there. I mean, imagine if you saw a fish there, but you're on dry ground and you're like, huh. Verse 8. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. Now you're thinking, okay, wait, what example are you giving here? Well, turn to Numbers chapter 25, starting in verse 1. It says, While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord. 
that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you kill those of his men who have yoked himself to be all of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses, in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel, while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent meeting, when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Thus the plague of the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. So you have Israelites, they were going, they were mixing with these other women, and they were getting involved in idol worship. And if you, th- if you look at that story, adults kind of put together what was happening. They were both pierced through with one spear. And so the thing is, is that God is saying they got involved in idol worship. They didn't discipline their bodies. They didn't say, no, I'm staying away from idol worship. You know, they kind of just got as close to the line as they could. And they're like, okay, I, I, I understand that I can't do that as a Christian, but I won't, I won't do that. I'm just going to be right here. And Paul is saying this. No, listen, if you get that close, it's very easy to go right into the sin that the other people are involved in. And so if you're a person like this, Paul's saying, if you live like this, this represents sin in the world. This represents safety and following the Lord. If you're just kind of like, I mean, I think everything is great. This is a gray area. I'm not doing anything wrong. And so you're just kind of here, and you live your life here. Yeah, that's great. And then you turn, maybe you have a little bit of a stress, something happens at work, and the next thing you know, you're down and then you're in sin. Boom. You're, you're, you're caught. And what Paul is saying is, no, what you should do is you should discipline your body, get, stay back from areas that might bring you into sin, use wisdom, be careful, be careful. And he's given these examples of Israel not being careful. Now, if there's any numbers people in here, as in, wait a minute, in um, 1 Corinthians it says 23,000, but here it says 24,000. Rusty, what? Wait a minute, there's a problem. There should be a red light going on. If you know what I'm talking about, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, or uh, uh, verse 9. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. And then when we see that, um, I'm sorry, that was in Numbers, but before that in verse 8, we see 23,000. Well, here's what one commentator says on the differences of the the 1,000 difference. The difference in numbers between the two accounts is probably best explained by taking 23,000 to mean those killed during one day and 24,000 included others who died later due to the plague. So that makes sense to me. I mean, if you say in one day they were killed, but the total, the total um, judgment brought a total of 24,000. Look in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. You think, man, what, what, what do you mean now there's serpents? Well, 
Remember this story, Numbers 21, 4 through 8, the mount. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient. Raise your hand if you are impatient. No, I'm just kidding. But they became impatient. So what we want to do is we want to also identify the sins of what happened with these people. They became impatient on the way, and the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. They, they loathed the worthless food brought by God, what he had provided for them. And they said, listen, we loathe this food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Okay, so here's what Paul is saying. He's giving example after example after example that the children of Israel, as blessed and highly favored as they were, they sinned and God brought discipline. He brought judgment. One day, 23,000 die. Another day, these people are grumbling against God and against Moses. God sends serpents. They die. Another, they're worshiping a false idol. God kills them. He brings Discipline. You say, well, wait a minute, Rusty. That's Old Testament. Man, you know, we're under grace. Well, there's a little story called Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira, they had this land and they sold it and they brought the proceeds to God. And like, okay, Lord, we're giving these to you. Is this all the proceeds? And they said, yeah, it's all the proceeds. Now, Ananias and Sapphira could have kept everything for themselves. They could have said, we're giving you 50% and we're going to keep 50%. But what they did is they lied to the Holy Spirit and they said that is 100%, but they kept back money for themselves. And God killed them. These are, these are examples for us. So we think, wait a minute. So what you're saying is that um, it's a pretty serious thing as a Christian to go back into sin. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very serious. It's very serious. Not that we're going to lose our salvation. Man, by grace, we have been saved, not through works. That way, none of us can boast, but it's by grace, which means God has given us a gift, okay? So for all of you that are so motivated that they're going to lose their salvation, it doesn't, that's not true. The scripture does not teach that because Guess whose work we are? We are the work of Jesus Christ. And guess what? His work is not going to get burnt up. Because we're his work. And we belong to him. Now, some of our works, if they are wood, hay, and stubble, we saw that, that yeah, maybe those will get burned up. That's why we want to build with precious stones, with gold. And so you got to look, okay, so Paul is saying this, that the children of Israel were blessed, fell into sin, and were judged. Yes, 
Ananias and Sapphira, New Testament, judged. Yes. We're going to see in the church of Corinth, some of them were being put to death by God because of their behavior. And so all of us should start thinking, okay, whoa, wait, what are these sins? Like, what, are, what do I need to stay away from? Well, the Bible talks about all the sins that we should stay away from. But if we want to highlight some, we look here. They grumbled or the people spoke against God and Moses. So if God is doing something, if, if he's laid something out and you're like, you know what? I don't really like that, God. I just want to say it's probably not the best of ideas. Look in verse 10. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. That word destroyer is the same. Uh, it's the angel of death that was used in Egypt to kill all the firstborn. So he's saying, okay, I don't want to speak against God. I don't want to grumble you know what? When God's people grumble, it's not, it's not going to go well. And so all of us get to think, okay, do I grumble? You know, grumble, if, if I start to kind of, you know, I don't see things are going the way that I want them to go. So instead of saying, going to God and saying, Lord, man, I, I just... I want you to help me. I want to be obedient to you. What are you doing? And you can pour out your heart to the Lord, but grumbling is coming over and being like, hey, a lot of times we do this to our spouses. Man, could you believe? And man, why? I just would, these are here to warn us. Verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond the, your ability, but the temptation will be also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, free from idolatry. So God always allows us, he always gives us a way out of temptation. So no one could say, you know what? Man, the devil made me do it. it, it that's not biblical. Have you ever said that? It's, it's not found in the Bible. The devil didn't make you do it. We're talking about as Christians. No, the devil didn't make you do that. We're all enticed by our own sin. Something within us wants to sin. But the Bible says this, that God makes a way of escape. So when you are tempted to grumble against God for what he's doing in whatever world that you're living in, Man, he, he can help you not to do that. If you're tempted to worship things in your life, I mean, we could even worship our own children. If they're the ones that bring our happiness and, and we worship, man, we love them. We, like our, everything kind of is focused on them and our devotion is to them. We want to set them in a right place. 
Verse 15, I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless is not a participation in, or is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar what do i say then the food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything no i imply that what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to god i do not want you to be participants with demons you cannot drink the cup of the lord and the cup of demons you cannot partake of the table of the lord and the table of demons shall we provoke the lord to jealousy are we stronger than he? So here's what's happening is that what Paul is saying is, hey, Church of Corinth, you can't come in and worship me and partake of the Lord's table and then go to an idol and worship that idol and partake of that table. Because even though Paul is saying that uh, behind or the idol itself, that little carved image, there's nothing there. That thing doesn't live. What he's saying is, but behind that, is demons, is demon worship. And so Paul's saying, listen, you can't go worship an, an idol and the thing behind that is a demon and then come and worship me. You have to be separate. You think, let's see, I don't do that. Well, one, praise God then, praise God. But here's, here's kind of where it hits home to us is that we come here on Sunday and we worship God and praise God that we're doing that. But if there's an idol in our life and if the Lord has put his finger on that and you, you in a way, worship that, God is saying, listen, you cannot do that. There can't be anything higher than me in your life. But, you know, the amazing thing is, saints, if you came here and there's something that is higher and you're only one prayer away of getting right with the Lord and saying, Lord, I am so sorry. Lord, forgive me. Man, there is hope in Christ. If you are still breathing, there's hope. Praise God for hope, amen? So if there's anything in there that Lord is saying, hey, that thing, that, that blessing that I give you has crept over me. Lord, I'm so sorry. Get it out. Change it. Because if we don't, the Bible says this. The warning is, I will come and I will set it right. And the example is, is that a lot of people were killed. Now, I'm not God. I'm not stronger than him. I don't know what his plan is for your life, but me as the preacher, what I'm called to do is preach, proclaim God's word, and say this. This is what the text says, and the Paul is bringing up Old Testament examples of people that went into sin and God disciplined them with death. Look at verse 23. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Now, let me clarify. It, all things are lawful doesn't mean that any of the sin that's mentioned in Scripture that we can do. No, what it's talking about is everything that is a gray area is lawful. Okay? So if there's a gray area in your life, it's lawful. Now, remember, if you're a weaker brother or sister and your conscience can't let you partake in that gray area, the Bible instructs you then to not partake in that area. 
The Bible instructs those that are strong believers that even though you know you have freedom to partake in that gray area, if someone is offended by that, it says the strong believer, lay that down and prefer your brother or your sister. Prefer that they are weaker and the weaker must, or the strong must bear with the weak. Look at verse 24. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. We should all remember that one, huh? I should remember that. This should be, like, if there is ever a need for a tattoo, maybe that's the one that we all should just get right there. That would, that would solve a lot of problems. If we just lived everything, let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor. Okay, so when my neighbor does this, when my neighbor does that, and then if some of us are very pharisaical, Lord, who is my neighbor? Who, who really is my neighbor? You mean like my literal neighbor? The Bible addresses that. Verse 25 Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We all need to remember that too. This is God's. This earth is His. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Now, you're saying, wait a minute, I th wait, now we're not supposed to eat? I thought we were supposed to eat? How, how, here's how it works. Someone, uh, 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 an unbeliever invites you over, okay? So let's say that they don't know the Lord. We're talking about the church at Corinth. They say, hey, come, we're having a brisket. It's going to be the most amazing brisket. I don't think they had Traegers back then, but let's say like they had this amazing brisket. They come over and then you sit down. What Paul is saying is don't say, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Has this been sacrificed to an idol? No, he says this, sit down, eat it. But let's say that you got a buddy there, a sister in Christ, and she's new and she came out of that whole thing of pagan worship and you're sitting there and you're like, dude, I cannot wait. Man, look at that. It's like all seasoned and the juices are flowing out and I'm excited about this. And you look over and then the person with you says, this, this meat was sacrificed to idols. You're like, oh, why did you have to say that? Because now what the Bible says is don't eat it because of their conscience. Not for your conscience, but for their conscience. And you're like, why did I bring you? And then you're like, just pass the broccoli. It'll be okay. Well, broccoli had never hurt anybody. But it says don't eat it. 
But here's the thing. The principle that we all are going to leave with is that whatever we do, whatever we do, we're doing for God's glory. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, saint, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. In the gray area, if you say, I'm going to partake in this gray area, and you've, all, everything makes sense, then you say, man, praise God, thank you for this. But then if you're somewhere else and there's a gray area and you say, I'm not going to participate because of this person, but I'm going to do it for God's glory. Amen. You're doing it for God's glory. And here's how we're going to end it. I try to please everyone in everything. Can you say that? I mean, can you really say, can I really say that I try to please everyone in everything I do? not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Saint, in everything that you do, are you like, I don't really care what I get. I'm just doing it for others. I'm doing it that they come to Christ. Is that our motivation? Because here's the thing, saints, that's the motivation that God tells us to have. And guess what? He has commanded us to do that. So it means that by the power of the Holy Spirit living inside every Christian, we have that ability. We have that ability. So now what we're going to do is this. We're all going to pray. You're going to pray where you're at. I'm going to pray up here. We're going to pray that, Lord, give me, give me, the heart that this passage is talking about. Help me to say this, that whether I eat or whether I drink, I do it for your glory. And I don't try to please myself, but I'm trying to please everyone else so that everyone will be saved. And there's a break in this passage, and you're like, man, who in the world designed the breaks in this thing? Because 11.1 should be the end. Look at chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. See, don't ever be that guy that says, hey, listen, just do what I say, not what I do. No, no, here's what you should be able to do. You should be able to look every one of your kids in the eyes. You should be able to look at your spouse and say this. Hey, um, honey, I want you to be an imitator of me as I am of Christ. And your spouse is to say the same thing. You know what? That's funny because I want you to imitate me because I'm imitating Christ. You take your kids. Hey, you guys, I want you to do everything that I do because I am imitating Christ. I'm following Christ. Imitate me. And you think, oh my goodness, Rusty. There's not a chance I would say that to my kids. Man, if you know in my secret life all the things that I do, well, here's my thing, Saint. Look at all the secret things that were exposed in the children of Israel. Yeah, maybe you're not going to uh, an idol and participating with a bunch of cult prostitutes, but the question is, in our culture, it's a lot closer to home than that. The ability to get into that world, to see that world, is very easy. I'll warn you, this is a warning. I'm the one that's going to proclaim it. But I'm not the power behind it. Your God is. And he loves you. And he will keep his church pure. And he has the power to do it. 
So here's where we're going to end it. We're going to end it excited. We're going to end it, you know what? Even though all this stuff is in my past and I am convicted for things that are in my life, some idols that are in my life or some things that my eyes see, uh, today I'm going to lay it before the Lord and say, Lord, when I leave here, it will change. It will change. The way that I treat my spouse, my kids, the things that my eyes see, the things that I worship and I let my heart be pulled in by, Lord, I'm going to change it. And you can't just say, Lord, I just, if you will help me to change it. No, no, he will because he lives inside of you. There is a confidence that you have in the Lord. He will do it. He'll do it. So no one should leave here like, man, I'm such a wretch. I'm horrible. Listen, we already understand that. We all are. We all are. But that's why we love the old rugged cross so much because it makes us no longer rest. Wretch, it makes us a child of the living God. And he has things for us to do, saints. He has things for us to do. And so our motivation as a body here at Russellville is, Lord, use me to bring you glory in everything that I do so that others might be saved. What we have to do, we have to purify ourselves. Anything in ours, we have to get that out. We have to confess it. Confess it to your spouse. If you haven't treated your kids right, get them together. Man, I'm so sorry. I'm a very impatient person. And you can get, man, I'm sorry, but I'm going to be more like Christ. Dads, you don't have to hold it all together. It's okay to apologize to your kids. They're just going to respect you more, and they're going to imitate you. Let's pray. Father, you are our master. Lord, we belong to you. Lord, you have given us some or the most amazing gift of all that we get to be with you forever and that you paid our penalty. You made a way for us to be with you forever. And Lord, everything in Scripture is just telling us, listen, it's not about the here and the now. There's an eternity. And Lord, you want people to be saved. Lord, let that be our motivation in everything that we do. When we rise up and when we go down, Lord, let us be focused on bringing you glory in everything that we do and proclaiming that Jesus has died and rose again and that he offers the forgiveness of sin. Lord, if there's any of us that have idols in our life and that we, are, we see things that we shouldn't see or, Lord, that we treat people we shouldn't, uh, ways that aren't pleasing to you, Lord, forgive us. And I just want mercy, 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 mercy on everyone here, mercy on myself. I just want mercy. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we would all leave here with the boldness of the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us to be able to live a life that pleases you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand with me.
So what we're going to have is a time of invitation. And what that is, is that I'm inviting you to come up and talk to me about Christ or baptism or talk to someone else that might be up here or about joining the church. Um, if you just want to pray for someone, the idea of these stairs is it's, it's like, it's like a, a time you just meet with the Lord. Lord, I'm going to meet with you there. I'm going to bow before you. And man, I just need help. Or there's some things that have kind of gripped me and I just need you to break those. That's, that's what this time is for. Well, that's all we have for our podcast today. If you would like more information about Russville Baptist Church and our ministries, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.russvillebaptistchurch.com or you can find us on social media at Facebook and Instagram under Russville Baptist Church. Well, join us next time as Pastor Rusty continues his series in the book of 1 Corinthians. But until then, have a great week and God bless.